Dude, I want to do a cold opening. Come on, let's do a cold opening. Like, come on. I, 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 I think it's going to be a really good idea. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I want to do a cold opening, man. They kind of they seem cheesy sometimes. Uh, maybe it's a little bit forced. No, come on. Let's just fucking do a cold opening right now. We can do whatever we want. Hey. Are you talking to yourself? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Game Go, a podcast where we talk about video games and whatever else we want to. I'm your host, Hatebit, and your other host here, Sonorith. Hi. Uh, there's a lot of news in the uh, world of gaming this week. Um, one of the first things I was going to talk about was that the PS4 Slim is finally getting upgraded uh, to one terabyte hard drive. Uh, when the PS4 Pro came out, the Slim was at a 500 gig, and they finally announced that they're going to upgrade that, and that's going to be the new standard is going to be the one terabyte hard drive. And it should be coming out this month. And it's going to be two ninety nine, ninety nine American. <laughs> is two ninety nine three hundred dollars still like the standard, or is this a new? I think so. Yeah, like I said, this is going to be like the new base model now. So you're not going to have to worry about, uh, you know, um, running out of memory. But another good thing too is that um, with the updates that PlayStation's been sending out, um, you're able to support an external hard drive. Okay. So even if you run out of memory on this or on your older ones. You can just slap in like a big thumb drive or a, just a hard drive. Or to yeah, it. an external hard drive. Just pop it right back in there. Freaking there we go. Twenty terabytes of PS4 <laughs> games because that's a thing, right? Yeah, they're pretty <laughs> big now. But yeah, uh, so that should be um, good news for anybody who's running out of memory or is worrying about what games they have to delete. <clears throat> right. I and had something I was going to ask about the. I, I wonder, you know, is this even worth coming out right now? Are they planning on extending the PS4 longer? How long has it been since it's been out? Uh, you know, when the PS4 came out a while ago, I want to say 2013, roughly, because I know that I got a pro, bleh, I got a platinum trophy in Infamous uh, Second Son, and that was like four years ago. Okay. Um, All right. But with the release of the PS4 Pro, and then with uh, Xbox coming out with the Scorpio, it seems like they're going to try to prolong as long as possible this generation. And it, it's a good thing because, you know, people dropping $300, $400, $500 on the console, they don't want to have to, like, worry, oh, next year are they going to be releasing another $600, $500 console? Right. You know, so it, it's a good... Incremental change as opposed to a yeah. major one. and especially because you don't need the Scorpio, you don't need the PS4 Pro. These are just, if you have the money and if you really want it, it'll look nice. You know, the games will look a little nicer, especially with the boost mode that the PS4 released as an update also. Right. Now, you have them both... Have you have you seen the difference in the in performance in any? Definitely in load times. Okay. Uh, games do load a little faster. Uh, I don't have like an HDR TV, unfortunately, so I can't see like that right. boosting the... that some games are receiving. Okay. But um, yeah, it, it's worth it, I think, especially considering like now we have a longer life on the console. Basically, I don't have to worry about it breaking down so soon. Okay. It sounds like a, a PS3 didn't go on as long as I. I think uh, I know that the PS2 because I was testing in a I was testing at that point and the PS2 went on almost like alongside the PS3 in, in longevity because uh like there were uh, less economically fortunate areas <laughs> like that that uh, would get a lot of re-releases and stuff on PS2s and and that generation of consoles as opposed to getting just straight up new consoles. This was when we were hitting our recession and instead of getting new consoles, we got like those 
everything got got some kind of motion update instead, and that was that half. You know that 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 big incremental like okay, this is I think the first time that every system has some kind of halfway release to their next console instead of straight up releasing the new console they extended all of those by maybe a year at most two years those motion controls didn't catch on <laughs> yeah they really didn't um the exception there was that the wii u was released like around halfway through that uh the yeah, console that, generation. that accessory for the wii right no it's the <laughs> own thing which apparently a lot of people didn't realize i think that's part of why it failed but uh yeah, the PS2 landed lasted a long time. I think they just released FIFA 17 for it last year in Brazil on the PS2. On the PS2? Yeah. Like, I thought it got discontinued by now. Holy This is, sh- like, the only game that they were releasing for it. Yeah, yeah, I can and imagine for Brazil, that it's the of only all countries, which is, like, you know, a big player in the World Cup. Yeah. You know, that was kind of a big deal for them. And they even had a Netflix update, too, for, for the PS2. The other day I was looking for new 3DS games. And while I was browsing, DS games came up alongside. And I couldn't believe some of the titles in there. I thought they were, like, way outdated for this. Like, uh, uh, uh. I'll try to remember the friggin' example later and maybe edit it in here. But, yeah, I have a couple of examples of this. We'll look at them later. Yeah, no, hopefully the uh, these consoles last a while, especially with the upgrade this one's getting. Um, and we don't have to spend all our money on another generation soon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. So, uh, Street Fighter V is getting a couple of new costumes. Yeah. And a new stage, I guess. Um, classic Thailand. From what you were telling me, it's a, a 3D remake of the old classic Thailand level with the big statue in the background. A couple people watching in the back, just spectating. Throw your uh, throw the guy on the edges. Those vases break, right? I think so. Yeah, I saw a picture of the updated version at WonderCon at a panel that I went to. It looks cool. I mean... I don't remember the older stage, but it they they showed off both, and it's a faithful recreation of it if you were a fan of it. I could only imagine what the music sounds like, because, I mean, the original stuff... Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's two Thailand levels, I think, actually. Is this the one with the massive... Is this Sagat's level with the massive statue that's laying down in the background? Or is this the one... It's got, I think, about four statues and, like, a bell in the middle or something. Okay, yeah, this is, uh, this is M. Bison's Thailand. That's cool. All right, all right, I get it. That makes it clearer, too. That is what I was talking about at first, but then okay. I realized, oh, wait, wait, Sagat and he have a Thailand level. Yeah, no, this is, uh, I guess, M. Bison's version. Um, yeah. And you can buy it for in-game money or you can pay for it with, like, $4 U.S. That was such a cool idea. I... I forgot really about that until you said it right now that yeah everything you do in game earns fight money that's why it's called fight money just yeah nice so everything you do in game earns some of that and that's how you that's how you can still play to earn the stuff so you, so they don't force you to buy anything in it you know outside of making it 70,000 <laughs> fight money well Oh, okay, okay, yeah. the costumes apparently <laughs> they are releasing a few school themed costumes for Chun-Li, Ryu and Jury uh, Jerry's getting like a gothic kind of Japanese schoolgirl costume. Chun Li's getting like the more the Sakura. No, it's uh, it's more like she's a class president kind of thing. It looks really um, mm. formal. And Ryu's getting a really cool a one. A short looks... mini skirt. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryu's getting a, uh, I think it's called a bancho. He's supposed to look like a Japanese gang leader. So he's got like a longer bandana and he's got like okay. a, a coat, but he still has his fighting gloves. It looks really cool. I like it. <laughs> I, I, does he resemble the guys from uh, River City Ransom? Like those outfits? I think so, kind of, yeah. I'll okay, show you yeah. later, but it looks I, pretty cool. And I want to see him with that weird pompadour hair. I think his hair just goes down instead, but it's still, <laughs> it, it, it looks cool. All right. I didn't recognize him at first until they said Ryu. 
That's pretty interesting. Um, it's weird to see. I mean, usually it's just different versions of a warrior, like the different yeah. statuses or states of a warrior on his training. Like that's usually all you ever get out of a uh, Ryu. So that's an interesting take on him. Yeah. Now they're gonna be releasing these soon, and they are gonna be three ninety nine each, uh, US. So. Okay. So today's the twenty second. Do you know when they're releasing them? Oh. Okay. I think they're still talking about them. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's something to look forward to. Uh, switch update two point switch on over. Switch go. Why don't we and you all switch? Okay, no. No? <laughs> so what's up with the update? All right, well, um, they've been releasing a small series of updates for the Switch, and right. they don't really seem to do much of anything. They just add stability, so you're going to get, like, less crashes. And I personally never had a problem with this. Is this people... only crashes? Sometimes stability refers to frame rate and performance. Yeah, I think it's going to be an overall stability update. Okay. To make, sure everything, make sure everything runs more smoothly. I think they even updated the data management uh, screen, but, I mean, you can't really manage your data. You can delete it or keep it. But hopefully this is paving the way to transferring save data, which is one thing that I think the Switch really needs. Why is that? Okay, for instance, um, I lent my Switch to my girlfriend's sister, and she's been playing Zelda on it. Like, she borrowed it for, like, a week and apparently was on it nonstop. Okay. Um, and her birthday just came up, and she's going to be getting her own Switch. And she's kind of bummed uh, out that she's going to have to replay okay. everything that she's done in Zelda. Now, hopefully this this thing comes out soon and I can transfer the data over to her, like ASAP. Provided but, that you're right and, yeah, it does yeah. throw it in there. But Otherwise, um, though, she's going to have to play through the game. I mean, it's a fun game, but yeah, it's even, not like even climbing Everest is going to be daunting if you have to do it again right after mm, you've done it the first time. It's, it's, a, it's always a horrible thing to ask of anybody. to Yeah, go ahead and do that shit that you already did. Just go ahead. No, it's it's not for something new. It's just because... Yeah, we decided not to let you share your saves. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Um, it's always I always thought that that was kind of a dumb thing to begin with, like when it first started back on about like the, the I think the 360 that generation right there, maybe even before. Actually, yeah, it was like right. it was right before that. Because I know the GameCube would let you just have two memory cards, just switch it on over, like boop, yeah, boop. yeah. Nintendo was still cool about that. We'll let you swap. Ah, well, yeah, that was Nintendo. Holy shit. Now we're talking about Nintendo. Yeah, so it seems like a weird decision. Hopefully, This was the conforming that we didn't want you to do. <laughs> yeah, this is the one spot you weren't supposed to join the other two on. What the hell, man? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's about it for the Switch update. Um, up next, we're talking about Frustum Culling, which for those of you who don't know what it is, it's um, basically when you're playing a 3D game or even wait, some wait, 2D wait. games. Let's first talk about why it came up. Okay, um, this is in our updates because Kotaku recently published a article and a GIF talking about some of the behind-the-scenes making of For Horizon Zero Dawn, the new game from Guerrilla Games. And they had a GIF in which they display Frustum Culling, which basically, if things aren't in the camera's view, the, ca- the game will unload them just to kind of save uh, GP- um, yeah, GPU hardware power, basically. Yeah, and... Some people on Twitter started ridiculing the article because they made it seem like everybody knows what that is. And that's very, very clearly not the case because um, I know I found it pretty interesting and I know other people were commenting on it saying, like, we didn't know what this was. This is cool. Like, why are you pushing people away from learning about video games and how they're made? And it just seemed kind of silly and, like, pretentious and, like, snooty for people to, to be talking down to anybody that didn't know what it was. Yes. I mean, I, th- I I think this kind of 
transparency in terms of like game development to the consumers is important because when a game developer tells you, oh, we can't add this feature in, it's not that simple. All that I would see is like, we can't just throw in another character and make the game multiplayer. But obviously there's way more to it than that. And having this open and honest communication about it, I think is the easiest way to to let everybody kind of temper their expectations when it comes to asking for, for more content. I'm just like, I wonder why it even caught that much steam. You know, everybody's going to troll. Everybody's going to talk about everybody. But how this caught that much steam, like, what do you know if there was anything behind that? Was it anything anybody particularly, like, famous? Someone with a lot of pull who first commented about this? You know, I'm not sure if that's really the case. I think it was just a matter of a few people kind of caught the eye of some tweets that were coming off as condescending and, and it kind of spiraled like things tend to do when they're trending. Okay. Yeah. That makes some more sense. All right. Yeah, hopefully um, this is kind of a lesson for people. I mean, it, it. I think it's important to to take interest in how things are made when you, when you enjoy the product because that way, you know, like I said, it kind of shows you how hard <clears throat> it shows you how hard it is to just add a feature. Yeah, some more appreciation definitely will come out of it when you know exactly how it's supposed to work or how it what the work that goes into that bit. Yeah. Um and this week also we saw the announcement of Star Wars Battlefront 2, the dice developed uh shooter that takes place in the Star Wars universe. Um they've announced a couple of new features, uh one of which was the campaign now, if you play the last game, you'd know that there wasn't a single-player story mode, which, on one hand, a lot of people don't buy these games for the campaign, but on the other, this is Star Wars, and even if you don't play all the way through, it's still cool to kind of see, like, battles that the developer crafts and the story, you know, that they make around your characters. So it looks like they're trying to fix that this time, and they're going to do it in a big way where you're going to be playing as the Empire uh, through the duration of, of one character, it seems like, who is fighting for the Empire. Her name is Eden Versio. I think I'm pronouncing that right. She's an original character, and she is canon to the series now. Nice. With the release of this game. Yeah, it's really cool. She's what's known as an Inferno Trooper, which is like a special squadron. In She's going to be in the final battle from Return of the Jedi. She's fighting on Endor, and she watches the Death Star explode, the second one. And... Immediately, her reaction isn't to surrender. It's to take revenge on the Rebellion. So I think you're going to see her journey from the planet she grew up on, which is a very pro-Empire planet, is basically like propagandized. And not necessarily in a bad way, because the Empire did take care of some of their people, but in a way that we're probably unaccustomed to, seeing the Rebellion as heroes. And I think that their focus here was that they want her to seem like the hero of the story. Okay. They don't want you to be playing the game and, and thinking you're doing all these bad things. But I think that they're going to paint her in a way that you are kind of em- emphatic to her to her point of view to see why she's fighting so hard for something that we would consider evil. Right. I mean, there's definitely something there. It's not like they have – all of these guys had to have risen – rise to power somehow. They like Other people had to have said yes to their crazy fucking ideas of like, hey, let's take over everything. And yeah. this is how you want you want to see that in. Yeah. And um, so I'm pretty excited about this. Some people are kind of upset that she's female, that there's a female protagonist. Um, but we'll get into that more on the, sh- on the show. We'll get we'll get yeah. we'll get more into that later on the show. 
Um, and another thing that comes from DICE, uh, they're saying that they're not going to have a season pass like the last game did. Which, mean, um, which means, like, they're still going to have DLC, but it's coming out, you know, as part of the package of just buying it, right? Yeah, hopefully they're following what Titanfall 2 did and releasing the content. Once you buy the game, like, that's all you have to worry about. Enjoy this stuff that we made. Don't, um, uh, don't forget Overwatch. Overwatch, Overwatch has also done that, but they do have the the boxes that they release, so there's incentive to, like, give them money for this. Right. Um, These guys are just going to come out with the one? Hopefully. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, EA has not specifically commented on this, but one of the developers from DICE specifically did. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how that comes out when more news comes. So Sano's got a couple reviews slash overviews for us. First is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the game that dares to ask, what if Zelda was a grill? Okay, it doesn't really ask that question. Shame on you. Oh, no, you're right. It answers it. No, uh, the only similarity is that they both have a bow and arrow. You see? It's fucking the same shit. Anyway, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. The game's been out for about a month, uh, but... I've been taking my time with it, and uh, it's it's a really fun game. Like, um, I'm not typically a fan of hunting in games. Like, it, it just doesn't always jive for me. Um, but is in this it, game... What is it about that you don't like it normally? I think it's just the pace, and, like, if you don't kill something, it runs off, and then you don't get bacon for your for your character. Something like that. Um, Bacon's important, man. Bacon's really important. Bacon is one of the three fundamental, you know, foods. Foods. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the food cube. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but the game, it presents the mechanics to you in such a way that you don't get overwhelmed. And it's good because uh, later on in the game when you have, like, four different weapons and each of them has three different kinds of ammo and you open up the wheel to pick what you're going to use um it does it in such a way that you're you you know what you're looking for somebody else might be looking like what the hell's going on but you're like okay i froze him now i need to use a sharpshooter arrow and it does extra damage like you know what you're doing and it makes you feel like a professional uh when it comes to these things when you say you know what you're doing do you mean versus another player or versus someone uh, uh just uh, a viewer i think a viewer because it it makes it so that you're learning the complexities as you're going. And it doesn't throw you in the deep end. It, it just slowly opens up each weapon that you're going to earn. And there are variants of each weapon. So, like, the basic bow comes with just one arrow at first, like one type of arrow. Later on, you can get one that has fire arrows too. And after that, you can get one that does, you know, extra damage, but it doesn't knock armor pieces off or vice versa. Okay. Um which can help you in killing uh, the robot animals. So right there, it, it it slowly, it gives you a tool and then slowly gives you more access to the different features of that tool. Is that what you Kind of. Or, or not um, slowly, but at a good pace. There are upgrades of the tool, but yeah, you, you're not going to just have, you start off with like two different weapons, three different ammo types, and by the end of the game, you're shuffling through your inventory and making the choices you need on the fly, which is great because in this game, when you run out of ammo, you don't have to pause the menu and go make some or something. You don't have to go to a camp to create stuff. Uh, Okay. If you have the ammo open, the ammo wheel open, 
and you have the proper materials to make something, all you have to do is hold X and the character will just make it, like, on the fly. Okay, all right. Um, and on top of that, you said about getting newer weapons and learning them. Every time you get a new kind of weapon, it the game gives you basically a tutorial quest. Ba- they kind of teach you how to use it in an effective way by having you do that for the quest. Mm-hmm. For instance, I got something called a rope caster. It's like one of those, you know, you shoot something and then it shoots a rope onto it and then onto the floor. So if you hit it a few times, it's going to basically tie it down. Okay. And it's good if you want the animal to stop moving or also um, if you if you damage something that's tied down, it makes, it's going to break free. Like it's going to get angry and snap the ropes. Okay. So if you're fighting two different opponents, tie one down, focus on the other one. Yeah, they actually incapacitate one of them yeah. and then after that you know the other one gets out of it I imagine and then you you can focus on him exactly um, so that that was a quest that I got when I first bought that weapon like tie down two animals and destroy them like kill them okay um, uh, another one is there's a weapon that gives you a special kind of arrow that basically just creates a huge explosion of air it's called the terror blast arrow it's really cool it knocks off armor pieces or uh, some of the resources you can get off of, net of a creature and um, it's very beneficial because if you're hitting something, you can knock all of its armor off, well, most of it, with one big attack. Um, that sounds uh, pretty impressive for the Terrible Ass Arrow. Terrible Ass Arrow. Um, okay. <laughs> and so the quest is, like, knock off armor off of some creatures and kill them. Uh, you know, and it teaches you little by little, like, what you're doing. And... Uh, that's another part of what makes the game so good is that you're constantly getting new weapons, and so you're going to be changing how you're attacking the the, the animals um, pretty frequently. There's okay. one that flies, um, and at first I thought you know maybe the rope would do would do good here, and if it gets close enough, that's definitely the case. It'll like just basically pull it down and incapacitate it for a minute. Um, but it's very very susceptible to I think lightning and fire arrows. So if you hit it with either one of those, it's just going to come crashing down, and then you can, like, jump on top of it and, like, kill it or something. Okay. Um, which is basically my go-to, like, for dealing with them now because it's just so easy. Just one arrow, and then they fall. Um, something, in another case... I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Something I heard is that the enemies in this are really quick, or they're kind of... They have... It seems like learning. It's not really learning, but they're prepared for almost any situation that you throw at them and have some something to come back at you with, no matter what tool you use against them, no matter what weapon you use against them? Well, um, I'm not so <laughs> sure about like any adaptive combat, but they are pretty smart in that they know that being aggressive and, you know, they're big animals, you're just a human being, and so they'll hound you. Like, if you're trying to, like, hide for a second to craft something or take a potion... They just do not stop. They come at you, and you can get killed by even, like, the smallest creatures in the game. Okay. And they're, like, the size of a deer or a horse. And, and Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not there's no easy fight. You just have to fight smart. Right. Uh, you, every, every encounter can be your last one in that game. Pretty much. It, it gets super easy once you start learning. Um, learning? Yeah, uh, you could tie down a bunch of deer and then take them out one by one. You can hit these canisters on the back with a fire arrow, and those will cause explosions. So if you hit, like, three of them, then they're just going to all blow up, basically, and die. Uh-huh. Um, but you do need to be careful because there's ones that walk around on two legs and are basically, like, alarm. Watch, uh, they're called watchers. 
and they'll let every other animal know that you're in the area if they see you. They have this attack where they'll jump at you and just like try to kick at you with their legs. And mm-hmm. that carries them surprisingly far. So you kind of have to like stay on your toes and like be ready to roll out of the way uh, or go into slow motion and shoot their eye out and then they'll die probably. Um, Do you go into slow motion just before you dodge them? No, but you can you can both um, get an ability in the skill tree to uh, to go into slow-mo when you're aiming. Okay. The one thing I don't like about that is that the bar has to be full to activate it. Even if you don't use it all, like, you, you can't just continue, like, depleting Off of it from what more. you had. To yeah. engage it to begin with, you have to be a full, uh, full st- what is it, stamina? Yeah, it's called stamina, I think. Okay. Um, so that has to be full. That kind of sucks. But overall, it helps because... Um, it zooms in too. So if you're using a sniper kind of uh, bow, it's gonna like make their head like pretty big, big target. You're not gonna miss unless okay. you're not very good. Uh, but you with practice, you know, everyone's gonna get a lot better. So I still have something to worry about. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's another ability where if you're sliding or if you're jumping in the air while you're aiming, it also slows down. So you can stack those together to make it like pretty slow. There's this humongous T-Rex type of uh, creature called the. Uh, Thundermaw, I believe, or Thunderjaw? Thundermaw. Yeah. That sounds pretty sweet. It's this giant T-Rex type thing. It's got, like, two guns on the sides of its mouth. Whoa. And it's got these disc launchers on its back. Um, So what it'll do if it sees you is it starts shooting at these little discs that float in the air, and then they shoot lasers at you. What the? Yeah. So it fires off little UFOs that have guns on along their own sides. Yeah, pretty much. Along with the guns that it has, you said, at the sides of its mouth? And that's if you're not next to it because it'll just step on you and, like, destroy <laughs> you. If you're standing oh, behind also it. also general weight. Yeah. If, you, if you're nearby the tail, it'll swing its tail around and right. that can kill you. Um, at first, what I was doing, I had gotten the Terror Blast arrows just as I discovered them. Right. The Thunder Maw. Because I heard, I, I got to a... Uh, a campfire, which is like a quick point that you can travel to. And I just hear the stomping and I'm looking around and then I see up a cliff that's, it's not very high, but it's above me, this giant T-Rex just walking along. And that's the first time I saw it. And that's the biggest creature I'd seen up to that point. And it was really impressive and kind of like awe-inspiring. We were like, how the hell am I going to take this thing down? Um, and the game actually had like three or four other hunters in the game, like NPCs that had seen it and were attacking it now. And they're no match for this thing. Uh, and neither was I really because I used the Terror Blast arrows to uh, knock off the big saucer launchers on its back. You can pick those up and attack it with it and that'll – it'll help. It, it makes pretty good work of it, but you still have to keep on attacking it to kill it. Um, it has these frozen canisters along its belly, but they're hidden. So you have to use the Terror Blast arrow to knock the armor off. And then if you hit it with the Frost arrow, that'll activate an explosion, which freezes it. And once something's frozen, it takes a lot of extra damage. Okay. The game, this is all stuff that the game's slowly showing you, like, how to exploit and, and to, to, how to, to take think about, really. like, how do I get into that situation where I can exploit that? Okay. Because even when I took the armor off of its belly and the little canisters were lowered and, sh- and you know, were, were, were ready to be destroyed, mm-hmm. I still had to, like, aim that right in between his legs or between its, like, under its mouth. So it's like, yeah, here's the target, but you still have to have some skill to actually Exactly. I actually ended up in my coolest moment of this game ever. When it was charging at me, I ran at it, slid under it, pulled the bow out, and then did slow motion, and then just hit the canisters as they were, like, slowly gliding above me. 
Okay. And after that, you have to run because the explosion can catch you too. I mean, it'll oh, kill you, yeah, but yeah, it does yeah. damage, and you don't want to. You know, that's unnecessary. No one wants to take damage. Yeah. Uh, so I'm running in and I just turn around after the explosion and it's covered in like frost as that's kind of what it looks like once they're frozen. Right. And uh, the game, it, the thing had another weak point on its side. It's basically like above its thighs and it shows like the internal like engine or something of the creature, like something very, very vital. Right. So I pulled out a couple of, um, they're called precision arrows and they're like basically like the sniper rifle bullets. It does the most damage, but it takes the longest to queue up, uh, you know. Okay. Um... But then I got an ability that lets you shoot three arrows at a time. So I'm, like, trying to knock them up really fast. Right. And finally have three of them. The thing chases me and turns, and I shoot it right in the engine, like, the little bit there, the engine heart or whatever it's called. And it took pretty much all of its damage out in one attack. Oh, All okay. of its health. And, it, it, like, that moment where I stopped, you know, doing something that kind of worked and explored and, and went for something that, Potentially, you know, wasn't going to pay off. It was such a satisfying moment. I felt like I was a hunter and I'm like, you know, I learned about this creature. I learned what it does and like how to avoid its attacks. I didn't even know I could slide under it when it's charging at me until I tried it. And that was like, it just feels really cool. Okay. And I think that the game, Guerrilla Games made this. They, they made the Killzone series, which is first person shooters. So for them to like jump into another not only another franchise, but also another genre. Uh-huh. Like, that's a big risk. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't know if that's going to pay off because somebody else might do it a little better than you. But they did it, and I think that this is a great new franchise. Um, from what I hear, this isn't their only visit to the world of Horizon Zero Dawn. And I've heard that the game did so well that they're actually going to, after release, like, now, we weren't planning to, but now we're going to do some DLC for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really excited to see what they come up with. Yeah. Uh, so the story, you talked a lot about the uh, game mechanic. Oh, and, the, the story. The mechanics. And the st- that, that sounds really great. What mm. I, It sounds like it does a good job of making sure it gives you a uh, high-risk, high-reward kind of system. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you go in there and you you know, sort of get into the more dangerous situations, I guess, you'll see something that can potentially, like you use the word perfectly, pay off. And, yeah. And, and yeah, like taking out that apparent, like, heart engine core thingy fucking <laughs> obliterated the this particular, what was it called? The uh, Thundermaw? The Thundermaw. Yeah, and Thunder there's a couple Ma. of just gigantic creatures in the game, and they're all, it's just uh, an experience. Like, you really have to try the game and as for the story, um, it's, it's got a great start, and it keeps you going. Uh, there's a little lull in the, in the action where you're kind of, like, going through the tutorial stuff, but it does so in a way that feels organic. Um, basically, the character's younger, and so they're learning stuff that is going to help them survive the world. But uh, after the next, you know, a, a fairly big event, the world opens up to you in a big way. And that's after you've been playing for a few hours. You start off in this, like... <clears throat> if you played Zelda, it's kind of like the plateau. It's just a starting area that's enclosed, but uh-huh. it's still pretty big. Uh-huh. It's still pretty big. And a similarity between it and Zelda. Okay, continue. A single similarity. Uh, when you open <laughs> up the map, I remember opening up the map, like, the first chance I got, and I was zooming out, and I kept expecting it to kind of, like, stop, to say, like, this is the world. 
but it, it it's surprisingly large, especially for considering how big the area is that you start in and how long it takes you to get to each place if you're just running. It, it's, it's cool how big the world is. The story definitely compels you to just start exploring it because part of your... Uh, Part of your first quest is to go to the other side of the map. Like just <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> one of the you, one of the within the first like five to ten hours, and that's like a small chunk of the gameplay. You have to go visit a city on the other side, and there's stuff that gets in the way. So you're kind of exploring as you're doing that quest, and it kind of falls to the wayside for a bit because there's so many side quests too, and all these are also kind of exploring and telling you how to basically enjoy the world. Not in, not in a authoritative way, but more like, look, you can climb stuff, you can scan things to follow, you can find just small Easter egg stuff that you're not gonna really find if you're just following the the main road. So it's it's a really fun and refreshing way to kind of present the world to the player. And and as I'm getting further into the game, it the story is really starting to pick up now. And actually, I I want to go back home and beat it right now. So. <laughs> But no, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely Let's great. Stop now. <laughs> yeah, everyone that I've talked to about the story feels that it's uh, it's definitely like better than anything they did in Killzone. Um, and apparently, it leaves it open for a sequel. I don't know what that means because I've also heard that they answer all the questions that you have about the game. But I guess I'll have to go beat it and find out. And I hope anybody listening, you know, if you're on the fence about it, it's definitely a game worth sixty dollars. Um, and if it goes on sale, you know, even more. So, uh, is it, is it, it's both, you don't need pro for it, do you? Oh, pro, the PlayStation pro? Yeah. Yeah, no, the PlayStation pro is just like an optional performance boost, uh, basically of a console. Okay. Uh, so far all the games that have released for PlayStation four are good on both the original and the pro, uh, versions of the console. Right. Yeah. So you got snake pass. Who's this by? And you got it for 20 right? Yeah, it's an independent game. Uh, Snake Pass by Sumo Digital, Okay. Um, yeah, I saw the trailer for it, and it looks like kind of like a ukulele almost, like in terms of the cartooniness and the serenity of the world. I see, I see that entire, like all the videos. It looks, it, lo- it looks like it could have been the same art director. Exactly. Um, but I feel like maybe this is... Better? I haven't heard anything negative about this game, well, except... I mean, not everything is given eyes in this one. <laughs> that's true. Uh, if you have an eye fetish, this is probably not the game for you. Yeah, go ahead, stick with ukulele. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but no, this game, um, it looks like a child's game. You play as a snake, and the controls are definitely not what you might expect. Like, you're not just going to push the left stick around to move. You basically are like a car, because you have to pull the right trigger to... Uh, to go forward whatever direction your head is facing and your body will follow. And if you ever see a snake moving, like it doesn't just go in a straight line because that that just doesn't work. So in the game, like if you have to kind of slither sideways, side to side to really build up the speed. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, maybe that's why you're, you're going really slow. I think we tried it out. horrible, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the, the goal of the game, it's only 15 levels, but the levels, like they start off relatively small just to kind of get you into the game. But the later levels, like, they're daunting in how large they are. Um, and so you're trying to collect these little blue things called wisps, which I think it's like the snake phone game where if you eat one, you get longer, which helps you to uh, basically wrap your, your – yeah, it helps you to wrap yourself around 
objects to climb or to explore the world more easily. I imagine it gives you a safer grip. Like the more of you on a surface area, it just you get more control. Yeah, um, and that's another one of the controls is if you push the left trigger, it's kind of like a brake where you will tense up. And so if you're hanging off of a pole or something, it gives you better um, traction better kind of or, you know, a grip. You're not going to fall off. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I, I – uh... Well, what did I say about it? It's like if you were controlling a train that could decide where it could go is what it felt like. Kind of, um, yeah, because your body's following behind, so it's, you know, you're just, like, chugging along. Yeah, the rest of it has to, like, go along the same... Whatever the front part of that body touched, like, the rest of it that follows has to touch on the exact same way. So, yeah, it kind of makes for some interesting... I kept I kept messing up and just going in a circle because of that, like... <laughs> It just, just it was forcing me in a circle for a little while. I'm like, I, I, what, what am I doing wrong here? And it's just, yeah, it, it a little bit weird to control. Only at first, that was like a minute of struggling, and that was it. The controls felt super intuitive. Uh, yeah, like I said, you're just a big chain. It just you just keep going and going. Looks a little floaty, or felt a little floaty. That was the weird thing. It does, but I think in 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 a way that kind of lends itself to the cartoony aesthetic of the game, right? Um, I feel like if they went with realistic physics, the game would be way harder than it is because sometimes, like, I'll have my snake character, like, he'll go up a pole and then just kind of, like, slither off into the, you know, wild blue yonder and kind of, like, hope to land on whatever I'm trying to get to. You can't jump in the game, so that's kind of, like, my attempt at jumping. I'll just, like, blast off into the sky. And, and once your body, like, enough of it's off of whatever you were crawling on, it just starts falling. So... You know, it it helps to kind of float down to whatever you're trying to get to like, sometimes. Like he's he's kind of gliding even. For like, a yeah, like he's doing a belly flop in slow motion. Um, <laughs> and then he 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 looks panicked, but it still sounds calmer than it should be when he kind of screams for what is his life. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. the character's noodle, and he's kind of cute. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't know if the game is really for kids, only because it's kind of difficult once you get to the later levels. The uh, the way you have to wrap yourself around stuff, it it requires a lot of thinking sometimes. And if you think too long, then your body's going to slip off of the pole and you'll fall like into the abyss or a spike or water, which actually is no harm to him. It just you'd have to climb back up. Um, I I've, would I would say that I mean it looks it doesn't look childish, but it looks kid friendly. Definitely. And, the skill uh, that I would think is required, just, you know, on a logic, because this is very much a physics uh, uh, game where you're controlling this this snake yeah. going around. It's very physics-based. And that's, I mean, I guess that, that that's going to be different for every kid if they're just into some kind of action game. Of course, they're not going to really want to think her like this. Um, yeah, I'll say one of the things that the game does really well, um, so each level you go into, there's 15 levels. Each level uh, has... Three keystones that you need. I think the tutorial only has one. But um, they're basically like keys to open the gate to the next level. Um, And then there are 20 wisps and then five harder-to-find objects called gatekeeper coins. Um, And they're basically, I think, so far, they're just for a challenge. Like, can you get all of them? When you beat the level, it tells you what you got. And so if you ever go back to that level, with the exception of the keystones, you'll have to get those to open the gate again. But you'll still have all the wisps that you had and all of the gatekeeper coins. So that's really cool. Like, I don't want to have to go back to an old level just to collect everything when I only needed one. That was only one short. So if you're ever playing the game and you're missing, like, one item, 
like, don't worry about it. You can come back for it later, and, you know, you're not going to have to find everything else again. It's a, it, it's a small touch, and it just makes things so much easier on the player. And, I, you know, that's I, that's a big plus for me. Yeah, I've seen games go both ways with those collectibles. Okay, are we going to make him per collectible, or are we going to do it all on a... You got to get them all in one go. And, yeah, that's pretty annoying when uh, you go... The, the, it's it, it 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 triggers your OCD when you get the first one, you get the last one, and then like the couple that are in the middle, like you see that they're not there. It's like where did I where did I what what why why? And then yeah, um, Yoshi's Yoshi's Woolly World. That's the one I'm playing. That's got me doing that. But yeah, you have to collect everything again when you go to an old level. Well, the thing is, uh, some areas you can't go back to. They're segmented, and so yeah. within the level. You can find out and realize that, oh, you got the third one. Wait, where's the second one? You try and run back. Oh, damn, this was a one-way entrance. Yeah. Um, like well, like some of the older, the newer Mario games are like that, when you have the three coins to collect in every level. Right, right. You'll get the first and the third one, and you're like, okay, so <laughs> I don't know where I missed the second one. Uh-huh. So then you just start like focusing on that area between the first and third coin and hope you find it. But this one's great because you, you're not going to have to collect everything Yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, this is definitely for twenty bucks. This is definitely worth checking out, and it's cool. the The, the levels are large enough, and you're gonna challenge yourself enough that you're probably not gonna want to play through the whole game at once. Like, you, you know, you'll beat a level, and you're like, okay, and you step away. That was like frustrating, and the next level is gonna be even bigger and more challenging. So, you know, it's it's okay to like take a break, play something else, read a book, go outside, and so I think that's really gonna add to the longevity of the game, where you're not just burning right through it. You know. You'll mm-hmm. do a level, like, every time you feel like you're ready to. And if you want to take a break, that's that's fine. But it, for $20, it's definitely worth getting. Yeah, it's good that it seems like such a peaceful game because it's not like, uh, it doesn't need anything else to add to any frustration you're going to go through that game with. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's it calming, looks, yeah. which you're going to need sometimes. And hopefully it is, it's not being ironically calming, which I'm sure it could be to a couple of people. Like, I am toast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we talked about that last time where... The game looks really simple, uh, just like Snake Pass does. Snake Pass does, but um, yeah, the game will. I've seen people raging over it, so I'm Snake I'm gonna steer clear of that. Passer. Got a couple of games on the horizon that we're looking forward to coming out soon. Uh, you're you're looking forward to Uncharted Lost Legacy, is that right, Sano? Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be kind of a DLC for Uncharted Four, but it's I think it's a standalone thing, so it takes place after. The fourth game, and it's not even going to be Drake in this one. It's going to be Chloe and uh, Nadine. And Nadine was in the fourth game. Chloe was in the second game. So it's cool to kind of see these characters after, you know, after the events of the last time we saw them. Are those both the love interests? I don't believe so. Nadine, I think, was a henchman in the fourth game. And I I think Chloe might have been. Is Chloe the blonde chick? That's uh, Elena, I think. All right. Never mind. Yeah, anyway, um... Yeah, it's going to take place after the fourth game. It's going to be in India. And if you liked the uh, the wide level design, that's good news because they're going to go for kind of a bigger, more of, you know, expansive levels that are like, well, they, they call it wide linear because basically you're still trying to get from point A to point B, but how you do that is up to you. Um, okay. So I think they're going to try to kind of stress that a little more, especially because now there's going to be more stealth options for your characters. There's going to be silenced weapons um, and I think more stealth takedown situations where you can apply those. So if you if you like that aspect of the games, that's that's good. 
they is also it like a, a linear goal system with a open world uh, um, level design. Kind of, yeah. Okay, all right. So that that at a glance sounds like Hitman. Uh, yeah, I could say like that, that where you definitely have a goal that you need to get to, but how you do it is up to you. Okay. Um, kind of gives you a sandbox to play in. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's also going to be a lot of driving segments, which hopefully you're a fan of. Um, I didn't I hear anything. I driving in sandboxes. Yeah, it's. I I heard it was fun. So many children. And the detail that went into the cars <laughs> in the last game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They said like even the odometers would go off and stuff. Like just you wouldn't expect that. Oh right, right. Yeah. Um, for, yeah, there were little nuances even from a UC three, like the way they uh they they use their physics to uh. To make their abs like lean, counter lean from the jeep's oh, right. suspension, yeah. you know, as it's leaning across the the terrain, they're actually like, oh wait, maybe it was Last of Us, one of them. I want to say it was Uncharted Three because I don't remember a whole. This is Naughty of... Dog. Yeah, Naughty Dog's pretty good. <laughs> I think this is going to be kind of like Left Behind. Um, if you played Last of Us, it was kind of. I don't think it was standalone. Uh, but it was definitely like a side story featuring two female characters. Which is good. We we need more of that, I think, in gaming. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, especially considering Joel and Nathan are, like, you know, very manly men characters. It's good to see another, you know, perspective sometimes. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, hopefully it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Now, what about you, Hey, I think you said something about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe coming out for the Switch. Stupid. Why is it coming out again? Why do I have to pay for it again? But, yeah, it's coming out soon. Uh, April 28th release. Um, I, I'm gonna get it, but I'm gonna be mad that I'm gonna get it. Did you even get Mario Kart 8? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I had Mario Kart 8. And How I, long ago was that? That was, that was a, a long time ago. I feel enough times past that it's justified. No, it's the same game. Essentially a remake, and any other mm. remake gets a discounted price. Do they? Because, I mean, they know that they released uh, The Last of Us Remastered. They released definitive, definitive editions of games... A lot, especially this last generation. I was looking at like a top ten games list for the PS4, and I think two of uh-huh. them were remastered games. Right. Um, and with five years of a difference, and they are adding some new stuff to the game. It's not a complete copy. I think I, it justifies it. If you don't want to buy it again, I don't. But uh, that's no, just my I opinion. have to though if I want to if I want to play it. It's not like I can keep. They're not turning off the single player racing in the game on the Wii U. Yeah, but I'm not gonna be playing with the guys on Switch. On that on that same network when when we play online, I'm not playing. I'm not playing the new game. Well, I mean, that's on how my they new get system, you. which I'm not gonna have connected to. I'm not gonna have it if I have the Switch version. I'm not gonna play the the. I'm not gonna have that one connected to my TV much more. The Wii U. Yeah, all right. So, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't want to have a second one just for the Mario Kart Eight. And like I'm saying, like, I feel like I don't. I don't feel like even. For what they're throwing in there, it doesn't seem like it's worth it to release it at a full price. It seems like. They already have the game, essentially, and all they did was make it compatible for the new one and threw in a couple of bells and whistles. It's going to be prettier, too. That's not even... That's not bells and whistles. That's something else. <laughs> that's... That's a slide whistle. It's, that's a slide <laughs> whistle, I guess. Um, yeah, what are, they, what are they adding to the new game? You got uh, a couple of new racers. We got King Boo, Inkling Boy, and Girl from uh, Splatoon, from Splatoon which is kind of cool. That's, that's pretty sweet. I like... Mario Kart uh, opening up to the other franchises. It was weird to see a humanoid like uh, like Link. Link is in it, yeah. With his yeah, first get on there with his high motorcycle. Horse. Yeah, 
It, that was kind of odd to see somebody of regular actual human proportions in this world alongside all these other guys. His head is a little exaggerated. I noticed that because oh, because the, the the carts are still you know made yeah. for everyone else. <laughs> but um, but he's still yeah. It was still kind of weird to see that. But it's also great like you know they already had um, what are those the the Animal Crossing characters in there? Oh, and right. that, like they they kind of fit naturally. They threw in the Mies, which kind of looked natural there too. And yeah, these these guys I can see them fitting right in. Dry Bones is gonna be released. I thought Dry Bones was already a thing. Maybe I'm thinking of a of a. Bone. I think he was in like Mario Party or like the sports games. I think I'm thinking of just the the Bones Bowser. Oh yeah, there, probably. There's, I know that there's like the the skeleton Bowser in the that one. Yeah. Bowser Junior. That's cool. I like Bowser Junior. Yeah, he's. I'm glad he's getting more. Uh, you know, screen time in the games. I just, yeah, I just, uh, let's uh, get something clear going on with, are the other ones his kids? No, they're not. Is this the only one that is his kid? I think kid? they've officially said that only Bowser Jr. is his son. The other ones are just younger Koopa people. It's, yeah, <laughs> odd. Um, okay, and Gold Mario, which you unlock by winning all 200cc Grand Prix Cups. Good luck. Yeah. It's going to be something that some people are probably going to do within the first day or so. Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, have enough of a passion for Mario Kart to be doing that. It's still fun. Um, uh, like once I get a Wii because still on a shortage. Switch. Uh, switch. A Switch. <laughs> <laughs> once I get one, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to go for that. Uh, a couple new vehicles. Yeah, they're adding the Koopa Clown. Um, that's a little buggy that uh, you see... Um, Bowser Jr. in, like in Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, in in the game, and Bowser still uses it occasionally on the, uh, on yeah. the new games. Uh, they're also adding Splat Buggy and the Ink Striker. Those are both, like, Splatoon-themed. Um, what does that look like, Splat Buggy? I believe it's just a four-wheel car with, like, you know, in the Splatoon Is it a aesthetic. bucket? <laughs> <laughs> it should be, right? Um, and they're adding some new items, too. Oh, damn. Okay. The Feather and the Boo. Yeah. Uh, well, boo, whatever. That's not that big a deal. But feather, that's cool items. to see it finally come back. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen the feather in a while. What are they gonna make it do? Well, they think it's gonna be the jump, but it's only available in battle mode. Okay. Which, if you haven't heard, uh, the original um, Mario Kart Eight, they didn't really have battle mode. They yeah. had racing, and you're trying to beat each other up on the racetrack. Yeah, uh, you just have the three. You still have the three balloons, but you're just going along any of the tracks that are already in there, and that kind of sucked. Yes, yeah, so this time they are actually bringing back the traditional battle mode. I think they're bringing back some of the older maps, too. Uh, it's going to be great. arenas, and there's a few modes. I know one of them is a classic, just pop the balloons on each other. One of them is going to replace all the items with bombs, but it's basically going to be the same after that. That's pretty cool. Um, and speaking of boo cuz you can steal items with him they are bringing back the uh, two item mechanic where you okay. can hold on to two items and use whichever one that you think is more appropriate in the situation you uh, can bank it and uh, save it for later if you know you're going to need it i didn't know that there was straight up like you know kind of like a hold right like one one of them's just kind of yeah uh yeah i missed the 64 one where you could like hold one behind you oh. holding the trigger and then one of them is up there like you still you can still grab another item at yeah. a question mark block and have that one up there. I, re- I remember that. I fell off of Mario Kart for a while. Some of the features <clears throat> back and forth. I got back on the three DS. Yeah, I got back okay, on, the, yeah. on Mario seven? Kart on the uh, seven on the three DS and that's when I came back to it. I think that was still back to just one item. And like total. Like you can't have another item yeah. trailing you or anything. Um 
I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so there's a weird discrepancy going on with the game where um, because it's, earlier copies are being released now, um, you have a few control options. And if you're going to play with a friend and you only have the one copy of the game and you're playing on one Switch, I believe that you either have to use a Pro Controller or you can only use one of the Wii, the Joy-Con controls. What? Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little odd. Uh, I have a friend I work with, and he has a Switch also. And I remember talking to him, saying, like, you know, if, if we each had the game, we can both play against each other, linking up the Switches, and we right. have our Joy-Cons. Full on. But if only one of us has the game, we'd have to only use each half of the Joy-Con instead of having his linked onto my Switch, and then both of us would get the full pair. I mean, they already introduced... They did it so long ago, introducing network play, or, I mean, uh, download play. Why don't they do that? I Yeah, I don't know. Why don't they just throw that on here? It's already, like, people want the Switch, so it's not, and, and it's on the shortage. So it's oh, not yeah. like they're going to be. selling out constantly. Yeah, segment. yeah. It's not like they're going to be hurting themselves by, uh, I don't think they'll be hurting their sales much if they do something like that where, because it feels like that could be the only reason is that, no, okay, that way they buy more copies of, of Mario Kart 8. You need people to fucking buy your console. Yeah. Well, and this is a like perfect reason why. But yeah, um, it's it's just a little odd, but it's something to keep in mind if you're gonna buy the game. Um, I mean, I, I don't. I'm sure that the Joy-Con's a good enough control, but it seems like an odd uh, design choice for my, you know, in my opinion. I think in, I, don't, I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, uh, but um, you know, hopefully people are happy with the result. I think it's worth buying again. I think Hate Bit here uh, disagrees, but you know. We'll see how it's it just, comes out. I, I'm going to buy it, but I feel like it's still not. It should be discounted. I, that's that's just my thing. I, it should just be like a 40, maybe 50, which is a weird. I don't think anything's come out at 50. For a while, yeah. Um, but yeah, and you you were talking about another game for the 3DS, which we haven't really. Yeah, because I've been on my whole 3DS kick. Uh, I get I get a good amount of downtime at work, so throw stuff in between there, in between my uh, oil changes. You'd say, you could say I'm in between jobs there. But uh, anyway, it's a little uh, disappointing to have caught, really caught onto the 3DS at this point in its lifespan because there's only so many games that are still coming out. Uh, of them all, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, Hey Pikmin the most. Uh, I kept wanting to say Hey Pikachu because it even has an exclamation point like Hey Pikachu did in the title. Hey, uh, you, Pikachu, was that game. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's Hey, so, you. Not just yeah, Correct hey yourself you. there. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, July 28th is when it's due out, and uh, it's just good to have something Pikmin out there again. Uh, Pikmin 3 was the last one, and the only, you know, the only Pikmin games out there are the Pikmin games, the three that are out there. Yeah. I went through all three. I fucking love all three. You could play Smash Brothers with the Olimar. And you could do or that. Or Charlie, I think, is in the, in the new one. Switch over... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Pikmin, not bad. Uh, I mean, what am I saying? Not bad. It's it's great, but it just it sucks that those are the only three Pikmin games out there, and they don't take you too long to beat. And the they first have a... two took longer. I know the third one was definitely more on the story beat, and like it was, I didn't even know I had beaten it. Like that's <laughs> that's oh, how sh- much shorter it was. Yeah, yeah. It, they they have a lot of. There's a lot of demand for more levels like that because, I mean, it's just, it's it's a really satisfying, weird OCD thing going on where you get all these little guys doing their little tasks and, like, 
it's like seeing work happen really efficiently it's great when you're when you're you know really good at that game yeah and uh, uh it, it just sucks because there aren't a lot of other games that fill that kind of same niche yeah that I, I don't know a lot of other games where you get a little guy control him in a, around in a squad like that that uh, that isn't an RTS where the goal is kill the other thing <laughs> yeah you know in this game you have these guys basic they're, they're grabbing resources and yeah you do have to fight some things but it's in a drastically different way than you know any RTS does it you don't grab you don't just select them all and then point it at another thing and they all start firing at it you have to select like you have to tap strategically on where you want to throw things and depending on where you tap it, it rewards you if you're getting the crit spots on the what are those the the bold orbs man I, i'm misfighting those things but like when you grab a couple and just throw them all on the eyes and you get like you take it down without t- getting any loss it's so satisfying to see that stuff yeah no other game my, my point was that no there aren't there isn't a lot of competition in this specific kind of niche genre of RTS, within RTS. And uh, it's going to be a 2D take on the classic Pikmin game, but I don't know how well it's going to be received. Watching the previews, it's like, I get it. I can see some of the similarities and you're borrowing it, but then it's also just looking at at the trailer, it felt like somebody could have just been playing a variant of a Yoshi's Island or the Yoshi's Woolly World game. It just, he's got a couple of eggs that can do tasks instead. And instead of aiming, you're using the stylus to throw the, the egg. That's how, that, that it, with a, if you were to blur out or get drunk, you could probably confuse those two games. Yeah. If you, if you watch them being played in front of you. Um... Like I said, the 3DS, it's it seems like it's coming on its last leg. Uh, we already know that the Wii U has been officially... Is the word discontinued? Uh, I believe production stopped, and I don't think they're... All the people that were making games for the Wii, the Wii U have, like, canceled it and suddenly and announced switched the switch. switched over to Switch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've all made... Smart decision. The Switch? They made the Switch, yes. <laughs> well, anyway... The 3DS hasn't been, uh, they haven't stopped production of the 3DS, but they have, um, like I said, only so many games out. On their official upcoming releases page, Nintendo only has 14 titles on there. Uh, some of them look okay. There's not too many that are really catching my eye. Like I said, there's Hey Pikmin. Um, but there's also RPG Maker Fest. I don't know what the hell Fest means. Yeah. Sonner's definitely curious about that. F-E-S. <laughs> Well, it wasn't, it's all like a word. The first capitalized, and then the next two were not. Famicom. So, F-E-S. <laughs> Famicom, emu- yeah. I was going to say emulation system. Oh, yeah. Like, but it doesn't, uh, the sprites look good, right? I mean, like. Yeah, no, it's it's current gen, current gen spi- sprites, not 3D. Yeah. Um, Cold Set Revolt, which I know is part of the Cold Set franchise, but I've never been into the thing. So, I'll probably give it a try, but I don't know. I don't even know if it's worth looking forward to. It's the uh, it's I'm only talking about it here because it looks like one of the more major <clears throat> releases, one of the uh the big hitters. The big hitters. A triple A one. Fire Emblem Echoes, I don't need to explain what the hell Fire Emblem is. Shadows of Valencia. Um Cooking Mama and The World of Generations. Of these, The World of Generations is the only one that doesn't have an official release date yet. Still TBD. Um yeah, 
it's it's the it's a odd man out I guess of these, and it seems to be from Nintendo a retro game with modern uh, 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 with modernized gameplay. Uh, looking at some of the screenshots, it was we were curious to see why it's sharing some like art style with Le- uh, Link to the Past. Oh yeah, a lot. Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. There's like a cabin, and it looks just like any other in in uh in Kakariko Village, and uh, like even the doorway was. The doorway looked as, like like it had the same border. You pointed out the trees that they have the same ring shape as and everything as they did in Hyrule. In um, it looks like a low res version and, of uh, Link to the Past. Yeah, and on the bottom screen there was like a map of what looked like an entire world. There was a globe, so it says that it takes place in a world between the the sea and the sky. Um, Earth. <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> dude! I think you just spoiled the game. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. It, it looks interesting. I'm definitely gonna give that a try at least because uh, I'm interested to see plenty of indie guys and plenty of you know like first time releases have been somebody coming out with oh look it's a retro looking game with some new elements that you might find in other stuff something of a like like everybody else's approach to Shovel Knight basically. Where Shovel Knight, you know, it it captures all the best of the old look and gameplay while modernizing it for today. You don't get bogged down with uh, with passwords or anything like that. It's the only archaic thing I can think of for some reason right now. But uh, like yeah, that was just a callback. Like you remember the back in the day. Yeah, it's the one callback I have for some reason. Like yeah. it's a, like it's a problem. But anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I I just want to see Nintendo actually do that because they've thrown references to their retro stuff before but it they i haven't seen something that looks like it's coming from nintendo that's taking an indie approach to something that most indie guys are trying to do in trying to be nintendo right yeah, it seems like mean. it's 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 the uh what is it the what's the same with Ar- Ar- oh, Ar- no, the Ouroboros oh yeah the serpent eats itself or something it's coming around full circle yeah <laughs> All right, let me just say, though, with the 3DS, they did recently release the new 3DS. Well, recently, like two years ago. But there are at least, there's at least one game, uh, Xenoblade, Chroni- Xenoblade Chronicles, mm-hmm. the re-release for the 3DS. You can only play it on the new 3DS. And the idea was being that, like, slowly the older one was going to get phased out. And I think only new Nintendo 3DS games are going to be released. I'm hoping that's still the case because I know that Monster Hunter Generations two released in Japan last year. Hopefully that's just hasn't been revealed, but it's going to be on the console mm-hmm. because that's definitely one of the games that like lends itself to the portability and the 3D, you know, it, it goes perfectly with 3DS. And I mean, unless it goes to Switch, which would be fine, but I think it's better as a small portable, like get your friends and their 3DSs together and hunt monsters. Uh, so hopefully the 3DS isn't dead yet. Um, what that's, do you think? That's the hope. That's, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's a hope and nothing more right now. Yeah. As, well, this is uh, uh, Nintendo's official page, you know? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll uh, update this uh, topic when there's more on it. I'll ask you. Oh, oh okay. Cool. Um, and to finish off this uh, episode, we kind of wanted to talk about something that has been uh, a bit of a hidden theme in this episode. Um, with the announcement of Star Wars and, like, Left Behind. I'm um, not Left Behind, I'm sorry. Um, the Lost Legacy for Uncharted and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is um, 
that lately in games we're seeing a lot more female protagonists, and not just female protagonists, but strong female protagonists that aren't necessarily in the game just because they look nice. Like in the older Tomb Raider games, you know, Laura. I mean, it was it looked not great, but they definitely kept the big polygons for her boobs for a while. And, Indeed. And now that even the series has come back, and she looks more like an actual human being that can balance proper, properly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that overall gaming is moving, is starting to move at least in a better direction, where you're seeing characters that are either female or it gives the player the choice. Uh, in a game like Undertale, even where you never really learn whether it's male or female, and you can—that's kind of up to you to decide. Um, anyway, that's uh, something I want to talk about today. What, what do you think about this eight? No, I totally. Um, when I was, when I was uh, with my time with Activision, and I was testing there, I learned a lot about uh, the marketing right. behind gaming, and I, I was, you know, learning. To make games at this time, and I was in college, and I was learning a lot of uh, about indie games, and it was crazy to see the variety in indie games, yeah. like how many different kinds of protagonists there were there. But you know, it was always like whenever I'd bring up an idea to somebody who was you know a little more seasoned, they would say something along the lines of like you're you you would be rejected right out the gate because your guy isn't a guy okay. and 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 white like. You kind of have a chance right now because it was kind of like, like black dudes are kind of starting to be okay for the protagonist. Like Watch Dogs Two, is something like that, and but like, that's that's as far as we want to go away from being like as neutral as possible in a in a in a ethnicity. Yeah. But then still being an Anglo-Saxon kind of person, it's really great to see this starting to turn, um, just because. It, I mean, we're we're it's it's almost split even fifty fifty. There's no reason to make to there's it doesn't feel like it's a really good reason to reinforce the stereotype that for a game to be good or for any story to be good or for that the protagonist has to be a male. I'm not I'm not so I don't really care about the white male. I'm not to say that we need we do need more variety there too. But it's more right now. I feel like the bigger issue is the gender. Um, yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you, it's good to see like strong studios like Guerrilla Games. Um, there was a female protagonist in the first Kill Zone because I think in that one you could pick one of like four characters. One was female, one was African. I think the two were uh, white guys. <laughs> um, but since then, I think it's all been just guys, guys, guys for the for the stories and for them to come out with. Not only like a great new game and a new genre, like I was saying earlier, but for Aloy, who is the female protagonist of Horizon Zero Dawn, the way that the game, like she's, it's vital to the story that she is who she is without giving too much away. Uh huh. But on top of that, it's it's good that they didn't treat it as an afterthought. Like, oh, and by the way, she's a woman. No, this is like she's a very right. strong woman who grew up on her own, basically. Right. And is stronger for it and she's just trying to find her place like in the world and how she came to be and I think that that's a good topic and a good angle and, and way that they really represented and, and uh, portrayed her um, and similarly with Naughty Dog Nathan Drake and Joel have been like the headliners of their biggest series so far but you're already starting to see like um, Nadine and Chloe are going to be the protagonists of Lost Legacy. Yeah. Uh, and then Ellie was a protagonist of Left Behind with Riley, um, the in-between DLC for The Last of Us. And 
from all indications, it looks like she's going to be the protagonist of The Last of Us 2. Okay. <clears throat> Which, I mean, if they do as well as Guerrilla Games did or as, as well as they have done in their DLC, I think we're going to see a great character uh, in a great game. And, and that's something that, you know, with Ellie being a, a female, you don't see that too often. And at least you have it traditionally. And lately, you, you're going to start seeing that more and more. Um I wanted to say uh, my my girlfriend was asking me about um, Super Smash Brothers because she doesn't play video games a lot. Right. And so when she does, she wants something that's, like, really easy to jump into and what better game than, like, just a party fighting game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so she was asking me, like, are, are most of the characters male in Super Smash Brothers? And I, I, I want to say yes. They are, yeah. It's Most of them are, but then they have a very wide variety of females. It's, it's definitely a majority of, of males. Right. Because... Because it's it's from their from history. Their, yeah, yeah. And traditionally, and, that's been. But like even in like now, you see uh, was it Robin and Corin that are both male and female? Yeah, yeah. Where they have the if there are, if there were both options, they're including them in here. Exactly, and you get Bayonetta, she Sheik and um, Zelda. Yeah. Uh, Samus's two characters now. Like it, it's Nintendo. I think is moving in the good direction where they're like, you know, there are other people that play these games. It's not just. Guys, you know, yeah, they're they're. It's more male characters, but like we said, only because of their they're drawing from their history, and they are not at all in any way shying away from like no. If there's a good female character, or if it's a good, it seems like is it a good character? Then okay, yes, doesn't matter what the gender is. Yeah, um, although unfortunately, you do see some cases where like with the announcement of Battlefield Two, uh, having the female uh, protagonist, some people are, I'm not saying it's a majority, and I'm sure it's a very small part of them that are just being, like, the biggest complainers. They're saying, like, that the social justice warriors have ruined Star Wars and that it's feminist propaganda because in Rogue One you had um, uh, Jyn Erso or uh, the female character. Um, In The Force Awakens you had Rey, who was also female, and then here. And it's... I saw somebody say it's a man's world. Like, you wouldn't put a guy in... Tomb Raider. And you did. You put Nathan Drake and you made Uncharted. Yeah. So yeah. that's a terrible argument. I think that having, like, the promotional art for The Force Awakens has Finn holding the uh, the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like, even on the on the box, I think. And that doesn't end up being the case. And I'm sure that shocked people, but I'm like, good. Like, you know, we don't need just another, like, guy. He even tries to be macho about it and, like, he gets his ass destroyed. He, he almost dies in the process. Yeah. And I just think that you're never gonna get. You're never taking a step backwards if you try to cover or like earnestly cover it, not just for the sake of it. Um, another perspective, another person's perspective, where it's not just the white male that we had with Luke and Anakin. Which I mean, granted, they're related by blood, so it, you kind of don't have the flexibility. But here, it's good that they're taking the opportunity that they have. They're not wasting it, and and that's true for a lot of games coming up too. Uh, for instance, um, Assassin's Creed Unity. Everyone remembers how bad that launch was. Like, the yeah. game was broken. Like the face would disappear in a cutscene. Now you see where the eyeballs and the teeth, <laughs> yeah. and like the back of the hair. Or if you pause it, or if you try to jump out of a hay crate, it would freeze the game up. This game, you were able to play with other people, and you could customize your assassin. But when people asked why you weren't able to use a female assassin, they said they didn't have time. Yeah, but, that was that was poorly answered. I just. That would be a good excuse if the game worked on release, but it didn't. And it just kind of begs the question, what did they use their time for then, if not to make sure the game worked properly? 
Um, they did take it in the right direction with Syndicate, where you could play as both the male and female, um, the the brother sister pair. Um, but what do you think about like games where you can pick the gender, like Mass Effect or Dragon Age or um, Assassin's Creed? I'm always all for it as long as they can appropriately um, tailor the rest of the game for those choices. As long as uh, as long as the situations, I guess, kind of don't call for either one, but can truly be, you know, gender neutral. It better not be a major like pregnancy involved that I can't, you know, play because I picked a male character. Yeah, it's kind of a big ass thing to. Not saying that that's an actual example or anything, but you know, I've. I've never been like, hey, for example, with Mass Effect, the way everybody, you know, was in uproar of the ending and demanding that they change it. It's like, that's that's just how it went because that's how they wanted it to go. Um, when playing that game, people were like, the male shepherd is the canon shepherd. Yeah, but you still weird. had the option to do female and it didn't suffer. And in fact, for like, I know a lot of people who liked it like that and felt that it was stronger for it. For including that and then that it just felt it still felt uh better to some people to play as a female shepherd like there are people who maybe it's only because it was their first run through they got excited about that and did it but there's a lot of people i know who would per, would have preferred the female shepherd be the canon not just because it's a, she's a female but because it seemed like it, it would fit yeah i know i made my shepherd female <laughs> um i think she ended up with liara who is female also or at least Female identifying as like the Asari are all one gender, I think. Okay. But um, yeah, it it just seemed more natural to me to have like this cool badass like <clears throat> soldier, you know, and have it be Jennifer Hale. Like she did a great job voicing um Shepard, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and then there are even some cases where like you can't romance the characters you want because they didn't specifically, you know, like not every character is going to be straight or gay or you know whatever you right. have you right you. Just like the guy would have some challenges getting to some of the girls, the girls would have some challenges getting to right. some of the guys, like, or what, or whichever gender they're going for. There was an archer in Dragon Age Inquisition. She was a lesbian, so like I made a male character. I'm like, okay, like she seems cool, and like shut down. I'm like, all right, well that sucks. And then I <laughs> nope. moved on to another character, and I think she was very like dominating, and she didn't have time for my character. Essentially, it was just funny to see that like. What I took for granted, like, oh, I'm expecting I can romance any of these characters. And I think only one of them was available. I don't know if I had to wait until later in the story. But it was just funny, like, to see that expectation kind of thrown in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Dishonored 2 also had the dual gender characters. You could play as Corvo or the uh, younger girl. Yeah, I had played the first one. Uh, I didn't get to t- uh, I didn't get to try out Dishonored two, but yeah, that was a big deal. Is that you get to play as the girl who was in uh, Dishonored one, right? Um, and that uh, I wanted to say something about the skills, but it's not really it's not really reflective of a man versus women thing, because no. they weren't they weren't necessarily like you know they they I mean they seemed like they would have been appropriate for either one. I remember in Mass Effect, I think two or three, you go to like a uh, kind of a derelict like, most icely kind of place where there's just bad people around. If you're Femme Shepherd, um, like, some people will challenge you because you're a woman. And, like, you're you're able to just shut them down. And I think she, like, knocks them out or something. I forget. But it's it's just funny to see that they kind of expected that. And it seems like they're reacting to their own critics that way. Where, like, you know, like, who cares if she's a woman? Like, she, ha- she has the skill set that you need. Why, why would you deny 
her the credibility just because of her gender, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'll say though that like playing Fallout Four as a female, my <clears throat> my sister who just like is not into video games at all. Yeah. She'll come in and hang out in my room sometimes, and if I'm playing a game, like sometimes she won't pay attention to it at all. But if I can make the character female, like it actually, you know, catches her eye, and she's like, "Oh, cool! Like I didn't know you could do that." Like, and it's it's cool to have kind of a connective experience with somebody that normally isn't into this kind of thing. And and I think that's the important thing is that people play video games to have fun, but it's not fun to be like excluded or to feel like you're not normal, you know. Um, and I think that gaming is doing a better job of kind of fighting against that where like, you know, if you can be female, you can do that. If you want to be male, you can do that. If you want to be a lesbian character, like going after, you know, women, that's an option. And I think that overall gaming as a whole can improve because now these people that are playing these games, they're getting ideas and they're going to go off and, you know, they might make an impact on the industry someday because they weren't pushed away. They weren't like, they didn't feel like this wasn't for them because gaming should be for everybody, you know? And there's some people that say, like, oh, you know, Immersion's ruined. I can't play Horizon Zero Dawn because she's a female. It's like... That is such a terrible argument. <laughs> I haven't heard specifically for that game, but, like, the Battlefront thing. It's like, you know, there's laser swords and space wizards in Star Wars, and, like, there's a spaceship that blows up planets. And a woman <laughs> being, like, in charge, not in charge, but, like, taking charge is the one That's problem the that you have. That's the part that kills it. Like... <laughs> That's not your immersion. That's the problem. It's your imagination. You know, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's something... Obviously, you're disappointed because your expectations aren't being met, but there's a problem to begin with if you're having an expectation about the hero's gender because a hero can be anybody. A hero can be an able-bodied person. A hero can be a, a not-so-able-bodied person. A hero can be a male, a female. It doesn't... Not, like, any character can be a hero. And to have any expectations prior and... Even worse so is be upset that it didn't match your expectations because you think yours are better for some reason. Uh, it, it's that's the that's a problem. That's a stemming issue right there. And, you know, I think the best example of that is Overwatch, uh, which came out last year around summer. Um, and it looks like it's out of a Pixar thing. So that it looks amazing on its own. But there's so many characters and so many varieties. You have a, a Brazilian you know, DJ who runs yeah. around on skates and he's like a support character. You have, I think, um, Symmetra is like autistic, right? She's mildly autistic. She's somewhere on the scale. Yeah. And she, she's an architect and runs a company like, and, and all these characters just feel so natural. It doesn't feel like any of them were put in the game just to appease to a certain demographic, you know, like you do have like the Call of Duty rough gun in Soldier 76, and then you yeah. have, like, the Edgelord, Reaper, but you also have a character who doesn't even have a leg. Junkrat, like, has a peg leg, which I'm assuming it was of his own creation. Like, yeah. I think he blew his own leg it off. Would, it both his own fault and his own, uh, I guess, he... He probably like, made, yeah. Yeah, he definitely made his own leg, yeah. <clears throat> you have a character who almost died and then had to kind of, like, look through his past and kind of forgive his own brother for trying to kill him. You ha- in their Japanese, you have Zarya, who is just this Russian bodybuilding like tank, and then you have tiny characters like Tracer and Diva and well, Junkrat already. He's I love he's actually very tall. Actually, that's not a good example. Yeah. And then you have a character who is large, like like Roadhog, Roadhog. and it's just really encouraging to see that everybody has a place on this in this game and on the team, and and just 
in general, like in the world, you know, mm-hmm. everybody has something to contribute, I think. And, you know, hopefully games can kind of keep pushing that that agenda, if you want to use that word. Yeah. Because, it, it, like I said, it's for everybody. And I think the more people see that, the, the better it'll get. I remember growing up, uh, comic books were where you were going to see crazy ethnic combinations Sometimes they were uh, pretty close-minded, but there were a lot of times where it's just like, no, these people are just of different ethnic backgrounds and that's it. This is where you were going to see people with different crazy powers that may or may not have related to their origin of uh, – to where their country of origin. Yeah. And uh, it was – it would it wouldn't be until about, you know, now, maybe a couple – maybe a generation, a console generation or two ago where we started seeing that – started seeing some variation like that in video game protagonists and, and video game characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Overwatch is definitely a really good example of where this is starting to really, really, really come and like, okay, we're getting a lot more open-minded. We don't care about these characters anywhere near as much. And then also at the same time, I I guess I can't really say that because there are plenty of people who still also have a problem with like, why are there still girls in my games and stuff like that? That's what we're well, talking about. Well, in comics about. too, like the character Riri Williams in Iron Man, she took over for Tony and she is an African American woman, and some people had a problem oh, with God. that. Saying, like, leave these characters alone. <laughs> See, and it's like it sucks that I I even react like that. It's like, oh God! Like I can only imagine the 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 people that are tra- traditionalists. Yeah, the the the, re- the <clears throat> repulsion that they, that would have generated. Yeah, and, and the thing is too is like characters like Tony Stark aren't perfect. They're like alcoholic and selfish and. They generally do good, but it ends up, you know... It, He's it's, got a lot of darkness to him. Exactly. And you, you have a character who is a young genius like Riri and who, as far as I know, has no, like, hidden demons like that. And people will still react with negativity. And it's kind of sad because there's a, there's a lot to be gained by exploring, you know, like, like, like I said with other video games, you know, you, you won't take a step backwards um, when if you earnestly try to explore these characters' perspectives. There's an Asian um, Hulk named Amadeus Cho. He's hilarious. Like, and he he can kind of control the Hulk to an extent, but if he gets mad, then he actually, you know, he loses yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like but it's a funny comic, and it's not something I expected to see in Hulk. And, like, I don't usually read Hulk, but I actually read his Hulk. And it's great. And I don't know how people don't get tired of reading the same Tony Stark saves the day story. And, like, you know what? Let's have another character jump in for a bit because that sounds kind of cool. And and it pays off. I think it, I think it not, is cooler. Not know? just another character, but another another character type. Yeah. And, uh, specifically, like, like, let's let other people be the protagonist. Let's let other people into the spotlight. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it, not to get, you know, too into comics, but, like, Thor and the New Hulk and... Captain America, Sam Wilson, who is African-American, you know, you're starting to see more diversity in pop culture. And I think Iron Fist was a big step backwards because the Netflix series used the original, like, white guy. And it Uh doesn't, like, that was a product of its time. And I think now, you know, you kind of have to... Doesn't get so well received. Yeah. And I think the quality suffered. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, not to get too far off topic, but I think that, you know, diversity is very important and... It's 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 improving what we're starting to to see, you know, as uh, as pop culture. Um, uh, it's definitely very refreshing to see, uh, even if they are gonna get uh, some hate right now, as much as it is, very good to see uh, developers not just be more uh, 
open to having a female protagonist. It's not, it's it it should it like we shouldn't be even talking about it like it's a big deal because it should have already from the start been like this. It should have been even. It should have, and is that that's not to say that it is. It just because we're seeing a couple of them, that doesn't mean things are are totally right because. Right. We're still going to see the damsel in distress stereotype, which also isn't, you know, too terrible, but gets overused a whole lot. Uh, we're still going to see, you know, sometimes we, uh, uh, the objectification of women. It's just unfortunately going to happen because sometimes some people think it's funny. Sometimes some people think it's okay or appropriate in their creation because in the end, they're the ones that make it. They get to decide what they put in there or not. Yeah. But it's it's definitely not, a. you keep saying it, it's definitely not a step back to be including females more and more in the protagonist role. As long as, you know, it's not, let's not force anything on anywhere. Like, don't just start making everybody female. But yeah. make good stories that like will, said, that'll support it. With Horizon Zero Dawn, Aloy very, like for the story, I think it needed to be that she's a woman. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do it just because she needed to be a woman. They did it because they were capable of really, I think, nailing you know her perspective we want a female character so let's actually make full-on background that's the important word flesh the f out of her character they they didn't just they didn't write a hero and make it female they wrote a female they wrote a female yeah um they even asked i think one of the directors like she has a couple of potential romantic interests like what why why weren't they included or like why did wasn't that explored more and part of it was that because she had grown up alone, she wasn't quite as social as, like, you might... You know, it feels awkward if if you don't know how to interact with people. But, like, it's no, good that I they were it. able to, they were able to see that instead of saying, like, you know, like, a guy would have a bunch of romantic interests, might as well do it for her, too. Like, no, she didn't need it. And I think really thinking about it, like, is, is they made the right choice. Because it would have felt weird to go hunting dinosaurs and then... You know, kind of like created relationship out of pretty much nothing. You know, uh, for how much time she spends with all the people in the game. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for the second episode of Game Go, a podcast where we talk about video games and whatever else we feel like. We are your hosts, Hate Bit Hero and Sonareth, and we'll see you next time. Oh, <laughs>